Hello everyone, Eldon Yoder here. It's time for another episode of Conversations with Yoder's Farm. Time for episode number seven, actually. And uh, today, I'm joined, as always, by my brother Lowell. And we are actually in a vehicle driving home from town. We tried to record on the way to town, but that didn't go so well. So we're going to give it another whirl, headed home from town. Uh, As I mentioned, Lowell's here today, and I'm going to let him introduce our topic for this short conversation. Yeah, so we're here at the uh, kind of the heart of the summer. Uh, We are in early, almost mid-July. And so on our mind is our corn maze, uh, especially. Uh, Of course, we have some other projects going on, but uh, corn maze is growing, and we are working on finalizing our design. And so that's on our mind, and we thought we'd maybe give you some uh, behind-the-scenes details uh, about uh, what goes into a design on a corn maze. Oh, I just found out we're finalizing the design, which is news to me. (laughs) Now, that's awfully gracious for where we are at this point. We've talked about a number of concepts and ideas, um, but we're still probably a couple weeks from cutting it. And uh, so we still have a couple weeks to finalize the design, fortunately, because we haven't technically started. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so every fall we get people asking us what our corn maze is made out of because it obviously isn't 100% corn, uh, and that is very true. We actually plant both corn and sorghum in our corn maze. And the reason that we do that is to have a kind of thicker stand of stuff between the trails, basically. That's right. We increase our stem count uh, per square foot by adding the sorghum. And the other thing, uh, sorghum, it's it's more drought tolerant. Usually the limiting factor in our part of the world, um, it's moisture, at least in the summertime. Yeah. So... We kind of try to hedge our bets by adding some something that's a little more drought tolerant. Yeah. And the other thing, sorghum will stay green longer. Uh, corn has a kind of a natural life life cycle, and then it will start browning down as the uh, the corn, the grain of corn, the ears ripen. Uh, whereas sorghum stays green until frost, usually. Yeah. So it provides a nice dense maze as as late as possible. Yep. And that usually covers almost our entire uh, corn maze season, gets us almost to November, which is usually when we close things down. So, yeah, we can often get a, a light frost before we close down, or sometimes even a little heavier frost. But yeah. It, um, often by the end of the season, everything is starting to brown down. That's right. Uh, but even so, rate. having those uh, denser, yep. that denser stem count per, per square foot really helps uh, keep sure the does. maze thick until the very end. Yep, yep. So um, I guess we can talk a little bit about design and how that actually happens. Uh, people wonder that, wonder how we end up with trails where we have trails and uh, how we do it without running over uh, parts of the tra- or trails where we don't mean to. And the, the simple truth is that we use a GPS, and it really, I don't know how we do it without a GPS. Um, I mean, some people do it with ropes. Uh, I think or, it's a lot of measuring and yeah. ropes from what I hear, and you probably have to do it on a smaller uh, maze 
our maze is pretty large, 10, 10 plus acres, yeah. and it would take a while to do it that way. Sure uh, would. The other way. <laughs> yeah, so we basically use a an agricultural GPS, which basically just means that it's pretty accurate. I think the one we have is accurate to like three feet. Um, and then we go around the exact perimeter of the corn maze and get a, an outline to work with, uh, bring that back to the computer, and then uh, print it out on some paper. Once we have the outline, we can move to uh, discussing how we want to lay out the general flow of traffic through the corn maze. And from there, we move to the graph paper stage, which basically is getting the entire corn maze layout onto a a large piece of graph paper and uh, figuring out how many uh, squares, basically, apart you want to keep your trails. So, one question... Uh, I'll ask you a question. Okay. Uh, Since you design, you do the graphing and uh, a lot of the design work, are there any programs that you know of where you would not have to do the graphing out on the graph paper? Um, Like, graph it out. You you put it on the graph paper, and then you put that back into the software and get our coordinates. Is there a simpler way to do it? I'm sure there are simpler ways to do it. I have not figured them out. Basically, the way we do things around here is we figure out how to do them once, and then we basically keep doing that over and over again. So here we are, what, five, six years after we started, and we're still doing the First same corn maze was in 2013, so... Wow, yep. that's a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah, so once, uh, once we have the layout on the graph paper, uh, we can go through and make our trails. I usually try to give it a couple days to... Uh, be able to look over your trails, make sure you didn't make a, a silly mistake where people can um, walk in your entrance and then walk out your exit three minutes later or something like that. So keeping an eye on the flow of traffic and, and how people will move through the maze is pretty important. Um, the other thing um, on design that, that we do, we um, a lot of mazes you see, uh, have some impressive looking picture or something and we have in the past uh, incorporated some you know picture type mm-hmm. designing into the maze uh, the problem we see with that is you end up with big uh, gaps in your yeah. in your maze to try to make the picture look look good from the air so it's what we generally opt to do is actually a true um, maze type design yeah and uh, instead of you know just which i mean that in itself looks pretty impressive from the air when you're looking at 10 acres of twisting one we we kind of focus on the the complexity of the the maze itself instead of what it looks like from the air necessarily Um, nothing wrong with the other it's just kind of how we've approached it since the beginning well we've we've had you know people that do both yeah and uh, they have reported that that it really does make it more difficult when you do it how we do it so naturally just more twists and turns and ways to get yourself lost also to be to be completely honest in the beginning i wouldn't have known how to do that so (laughs) that's part of why we started out the way we did and I guess that's why we're still doing the same thing however many years later. Because you never figured out how to do anything differently. No, I mean, I could do it now. but yeah. it, anyway. it does look quite impressive from the air, though. Yeah. Um, well, 
that's kind of how mazes in general work. That's there, true. But. You wonder how in the world you ever get get through them. Yeah. So anyway, once you once we get the the design all uh, figured out on the graph paper, and we uh, have everything where we want it, we it goes back into the computer, um, and then we have to calibrate the image to basically get it to line up with your GPS coordinates for the corners of the maze. Once that's done, we load it into another program that uh, runs on a computer that is sitting on top of our uh, our mower, I guess is what it's called. I was trying to think. Corn maze, chariot, whatever. Uh, we have a little platform that we've rigged on, on the front of our mower, and uh, the GPS rides right on it. The computer sits there, and you basically are told right where you are on your map, and you follow the lines that you drew on the graph paper to cut the maze out. So that's basically how it all works. And it all works flawlessly unless the uh, software gives you problems like happened over the weekend and then take yeah. several hours talking was... to customer support. And if your uh, antenna can't connect <laughs> with... Uh, satellites and all those fun little things that happen yeah. sometimes with technology. Yeah, technology is always uh, kind of fun to work with because you never we know should, what it's going to do. Yeah, the, what you were doing over the weekend, you were actually uh, cutting someone yeah. else's maze out. They hired you to do that. So yeah. I thought we would, while we were on the road, we are actually back here at the farm, I thought we would, while we were talking about the maze, come down here and drive around it. And, uh, if we go around seven times, you think the walls will collapse? My help and grow better. I feel it's pretty looking pretty good. Pretty good about it. The uh, we've had some timely rains the last yes. week. Yeah, the corn usually the corn uh, grows quicker at first than the sorghum does, but I see the sorghum is now emerged good yeah. and it's yeah. coming coming up. So yeah, it's looking pretty good. And I don't know if we discussed this, but we. We like to plant a cover crop ahead of the maze, and so we have a really nice, uh, basically a straw that we plant yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, and so it's almost like a, like it's been moshed yeah. out here. You can see a good layer of uh, mosh on on top of the soil, which that helps hold moisture in. And uh, another thing we do because we're always concerned about moisture in the middle of the summer yeah. with the crops that we grow yeah because also we're, we're just not set up to irrigate this this sure. corn maze yeah it also helps with um you know we get a hard rain and if you diss the land well oftentimes you'll get some of your field washed down and you'll get gullies right the field, much so. much better for the soil yep. you can uh, look up benefits of cover crops and read about them all day yeah. long yeah mm-hmm. So that's basically how we get to the point where we have a corn maze cut into the corn. Um, I don't know if we want to talk, maybe we'll talk more about the heading into fall season parts as we get uh, closer to fall, but I think that's probably about all we need to talk about at this point uh, with the corn maze. Especially since I'm about to drop you off here. And, uh, yeah, that's also our good our time ride to, is, uh, is done. finish up here. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope there was a little bit of information there that was helpful to you. Uh, had, you had you mentioned about our background noise? I don't know if I did in this, this round. My not. my daughter is riding along, two-year-old daughter in the back, and uh, we didn't 
put a muzzle on her or anything. No. So she's been enjoying enjoying herself. And <laughs> she's been having so. a conversation with herself back there. So right. at least she's happy. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so if you found uh, the this episode interesting or have any questions, feel free to head over to Yoder's Farm uh, and shoot us a, a contact message. If you have something you're you're curious about, I'll try to get back with you as soon as I can. Um, but other than that, uh, Yoder's Farm forward slash podcast, you can find uh, all the ways to subscribe there. Uh, you can also listen to past episodes. And if you're listening in iTunes, feel free to give the show a rating. Uh, that supposedly helps it show up for other people. Um, and, yeah, that's it for this time. Brisa, do you want to say hi? <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see you in about two weeks, everybody. Take care.